Recording in progress. Okay, we're up to the end of Peyam and Bey is the bottom line. So the Gemara says, <coughs> Gemara says like this, Tanra Bonan, Asara Tanoim Hisna Yehoshua, there were 10 stipulations that Yeshua ben Nun made when he brought Kla Yisrael into Eretz Yisrael. Now what this means is like this, in order, you have an, a land that's being split up amongst different tribes. Now different parts of the lands have different, uh, you know, different aspects and because there's, each person now has their own chilek, there's going to be small little disagreements that could come up between this neighbor and that neighbor and Yeshua didn't want that. And therefore Yeshua made 10 stipulations and we're going to deal with them today. The basic premise of all the stipulations biyachad is that these are things that the average person should not care about, and therefore Yeshua stipulated that you don't have the right to care about it. And you'll see, we'll go through each one. It's, it's something that the average person, if you're a laid-back person, it doesn't bother you. And Yeshua did not allow, Yeshua's stipulations are that these things are permitted, and a person cannot be makbid, because this is something that you should not be makbid about. Let's run through them. The first one, shiimarim b'chayroshin. People are allowed to bring small animals, as we'll see, like goats and sheep, into forests. Now, although those forests are privately owned, the forests are big, and if a goat, I understand that a goat, a person should be makbid, that a goat should not go into someone's field. But a forest, you should not be makbid. And therefore, Yeshua stipulated that people are allowed to bring goats and small domesticated animals into large forests. Number two, you're allowed to take small twigs from other people's fields to make firewood. Now the Gemara is going to stipulate, this is obviously not talking about taking something that would do damage. And as we're going to see, this is also not talking about if a person gathered small twigs, you can't take them because obviously the owner of the field is Makbid. But this is that if a, if a, a person can go over to a tree, and break off a small little branch that is not necessary for the growth of the tree. The Gemara is going to stipulate where to cut it and how what it's allowed, because that's not, that you shouldn't care about such small little things. Third, you're also allowed to gather grass from anyone's uh, uh, for animals from any place. except for uh, Tilson was a type of uh, type of uh, grain that it was important that that grain had grass growing near it. The average field. If there's a little bit of grass growing, it's not helpful for the grain, it's not helpful for the crops, and therefore you're allowed to gather small amounts of grass in any field. Number four, you're allowed to cut off any shoots. You're allowed to cut off little uh, little uh, growth, um, again, that won't do damage. Except uh, from the stump of an olive tree, because the little things that grow off an olive tree could be beneficial. Number five, that if there's a spring that comes out, even if it's a spring that was that came out from the ground after the times of Yeshua ben Nun, the townspeople are allowed to use the spring. You cannot have the spring and say it's private. It's probably similar to the concept by a mikveh. You're not supposed to have a private mikveh. Mikvahs have to be accessible to the Ram. You're not allowed to have a spring and say it's private for me only. It doesn't work like that. The townspeople are, are allowed to take it. Um, to use it. Number six, all people are allowed to fish with hooks and lines in Tveria, uh, even though Tveria was entirely in the portion of Naftali, that, that was something that Yeshua wanted, that everyone can go fish. Now the Gemara is going to explain, but you can't put out, um, you see, there, there's different ways to catch fish. They usually use nets, but there was one way is you put up sort of fences and it sort of makes like small little enclosures. You're not allowed to do that in the Kinneret because uh, it would stop boats from, 
from going through. So everyone's allowed to fish in the Kinneret, and you could put even nets, but you cannot put make enclosures that will prevent boats from going through. Number seven, Nifnin Lachari Ageder, you're allowed to go to the bathroom behind the wall, even a private-owned wall, even if it's a field filled with saffron. Now the chiddush of this is, you go to the bathroom wherever you want, the chiddush of this is that you're allowed to take off small pebbles from a wall and use it to clean yourself. Uh, even saffron, which needs a strong wall uh, for its growth, it's still fine because small little pebbles are not going to uh, raise questions into the integrity of the wall. Number eight, Rashi explains like this, after a person uh, this, you know, already, already gathers all the grain from his field, whatever, so then he plants it. After he plants it, until the crops begin to grow, you could walk in the field, it's not going to do the damage, there's nothing growing. Obviously, once it starts growing, you don't want to walk on it, it'll kill the, kill the little growth, the, the, little, uh, the little growth of the plants. The halach is, you're allowed to walk in any field, if it's a, yeah, I think this is the, yeah, this is like a shortcut, let's say there's a shortcut through the field, people are allowed to use your field as a shortcut, until the second raining season. You see, once the second raining season happens, then then it's possible things are going to start growing. And stepping on it is going to ruin it. But if there's nothing growing, what does it bother you if people walk through your field? You shouldn't be mocked about this. Therefore, that's numbers and number eight, I think. Number nine. What this means is like this. In the winter, when you have the main streets, they would fill with water, a puddle with snow and you know, water. When it would dry, a lot of times it would cause like craters, like potholes. Because of this, it was very hard to walk through the center of the main street. So Yeshua instituted that everyone, the main street, the people from main street are allowed to walk around those potholes and use the sides of the streets, even though the sides of the streets, it's inevitable, they might walk a little bit into the private properties next to it. Incidentally, that's fine. Because they're obli- they're not allowed they're they're allowed to not use the center of Main Street and use the tzidei haravim the sides of the streets. Number ten, hatoya ben hakramim mafsig If someone's lost in a vineyard and they can't get out, they're allowed to cut their way out, cutting shoots, but not in a way that's going to damage the field. But a little bit, they're allowed to cut their way out so that they're not stuck there and lost. And the gemara is, by the way, the gemara is going to ask a kasha. I mean, of course, you're going to have the person, you know. You know, it's like Hashem Savedi. The person's allowed to return himself. He, he doesn't have to live in the vineyard. The Gemara is going to, you know, uh, address this. Okay. By the way, the Meiri says, you, you have to pay for what you're cutting. You, you, you are damaging his property. The point is, normally, you're not allowed to damage the property with the intention of paying for it. Over here, you're allowed to. And number 11, Mace Mitzvah Koinu Mekoyme. If there's a dead body, he's Koinu Hizmakim, which means that wherever a dead body falls... You bury the person where it is, even if it's in someone's backyard. Now, a quick problem, the Gemara is going to point out, um, it said these are the 10 stipulations of Yeshua, but we just counted 11. Okay, the Gemara is going to go through. Let's go through each one. Shemarim b'charashim. The first one is that people are allowed to bring small animals into a forest, a privately owned forest, to eat. Says the Gemara, It's only true with a small animal in a large forest, because a small animal is not going to do damage in a large forest. But a small animal in a small forest, or gasa or a large animal like a cow or a horse in a large forest, 
That's not allowed because that could, the damage is actually substantial. You're not allowed to bring a horse and a large animal in a small forest. That's for sure not an issue. Because again, the premise of this is, as I said, these are things that the average person should not be mocked about. Obviously, if you're doing someone damage, Yeshua would not be making with that. The next one. It says you're allowed to gather wood from someone else's fields for firewood, like small tig, twigs. Says the Gemara, Loi Omrun, it's only true. What type of things? You think you can cut down someone's tree? It says you can wood. No, of course not. are prickly little shrubs, little thorn, little thorn bushes that the average owner doesn't want, it doesn't care about. So if you're cutting it, you're not, you're not, you're probably helping them. You're not harming them. But you're not allowed to cut down anyone else's trees or bushes because that's obviously damage. And even for prickly shrubs and little thorn bushes, it's only mutter if they're still attached to the ground. But let's say you find a, a stack of little uh, prickly thorn things cut. The problem is, if it's cut, that means the owner of the field cut it, and he was having a dry for his own firewood. Then you can't take it, because he's obviously machbit about it. So you can only take it if it's still attached to the ground. And the truth is, even when it's attached to the ground, when it's mutalayamalbalacha, it's only true if it's moist. See, when it's moist, it's not fit for firewood anyway, so the owner doesn't care. But if it's attached to the ground, but it's dry, then there's a chance the owner is going to want to cut it for himself, and then it's not allowed. The, pro, the point is, you can't uproot anything of value. Okay, third. You're allowed to gather grass except for the field of Tlosan. I think our article translates fenugreek. It's a type of, um, it's a type of uh, uh, um, like a grain where um, grass is beneficial. Now the Gemara has a completely side point, and that is, you see from this Gemara that Tilsan fenugreek, it's good for it to have grass, and that's why you're not allowed to cut the grass if it's a fenugreek field. The problem is... Uh, or many, isn't there a contradiction? There's a Mishnah that implies that fenugreek is actually, it's not good for it to have grass. So here it's mashma that grass is good for it, but there's another uh, Mishnah that indicates not like this. The Mishnah is describing the laws of Klaim. We know that if you plant multiple species together, it's also and you have to uproot it. The Mishnah over there says, Tilsan she'alsa imini If you planted fenugreek and grass, that's considered Klaim and it's not allowed. So normally you should have to uproot it. The halacha is you don't have to uproot it, you don't have to stop what you're doing and specifically uproot it immediately because you're going to uproot it at some point because it's bad for the fenugreek. Meaning, if you notice that there's grass and fenugreek in someone else's field, you don't have to tell him to quickly uproot it because he's definitely going to uproot it when he finds out because it's not good for fenugreek to have grass. So here's the question. Is fenugreek supposed to have grass? Is it good for it to have grass or not? Our mission implies that it's good, but over there, mission implies that it's bad. So I'm Rabbi Kasha. The answer is it depends what you're using the fenugreek for. Kan Lazara. If you're just uh, if you're if you're harvesting the seeds of fenugreek, then it's uh, then it's considered um, then it's considered bad for it. But kan But if you're having the fenugreek stalk, then it's good for it to have grass. Lazera kashla asavin the If you're just going with the seeds, the grass weakens it. Lazerin But if you're if you're if you're harvesting fenugreek stalks, the chikaimim It actually protects it. And uh, therefore, it's actually good for a type grass. So that, that's the first explanation of whether grass is good for fenugreek or not. The second answer, Ibaisema. Ibaisema? No. Ibaisema, second answer, Kan la Adam, Kan la Behema. The answer is, it might be up for later. Kan la Adam, Kan la Behema. The second answer is, it depends on whether, who's eating the fenugreek. If the fenugreek is being grown for people, then. Um, 
So apparently grass adds nutrients. So for people, that's beneficial. But when it says it's not good for it, it's for animals because animals, I guess, don't need the nutrients. Therefore, it's... Um, I'm sorry, the exact opposite. I'm sorry. Um, grass grows with the fenugreek. It actually takes some of the nutrients away, so the farmer is going to uproot it. Okay. The Mishnah, Kanla Behema. And over here, when the Mishnah says that it's that it's good to have grass, that's where it's grown for animals. The Kivan del Behema Hutazara. Oh, because the animal eats grass also, so the, the farmer doesn't care. Meaning, if, you, if, you're, if you're selling it in the store, you want fenugreek that's not with grass. But the animals, they eat the grass, they eat the fenugreek, it's all the same, they don't care. How do you know whether the farmer sowed the crop of fenugreek for human consumption? In which case, um, in which case, so back to the Takanas of Yeshua. Yeshua said you're allowed to take grass from someone's field except if it's planted with fenugreek. But now we're saying it depends. That's only true if he's planting it for humans, uh, for, for animals. So then, then the grass is good. But for humans, it's not good. You could uproot the grass. So how do I know? So the Gemara says, I'm Rav Papa, Sheiri Mashari. Rav Papa said, La'odam. So if the fenugreek is sowed, is, is planted with a garden bed, I guess, some, you know, nicely, and it's done with other, you know, fruits and vegetables, then that's for people. If it's just an open field of fenugreek, that's for animals. Okay. The fourth stipulation of Yeshua, you could um, cut off small little saplings, small little twigs. Um, the, the, I forgot to mention, this is for grafting purposes. This is not for firewood. That was the previous one. This is for grafting purposes. So, uh, I, obviously grafting in a permissible way. So let's say you want to plant your own orange orchard, you're allowed to take a little bit of someone else's orange tree in order for you to plant yourself. Now, except, except for um, uh, olive, an olive tree, you can't go within two tefachim um, of the stump, you can't cut anything. So basically, you're allowed to cut a small part of the tree in order to regrow. But you obviously can't do it in a way that causes damage to the tree. So farmers know what part of the tree can be cut without doing damage, that'll regrow, and what part of the tree will be Beneficial. Oh, is near here? Tell, tell it before you're going. So the point is, no. So the point is, says the Gemara. So the farmers obviously know what part of the tree could you cut that'll be beneficial. What part of the tree can you cut that's not beneficial? So the Gemara now describes it. Pirshu Rav Tanchum Rav Broyis Meshum Zokinecha Rav Tanchum and Rav Broyis explain the name of a certain Rav. I think the Gemara is going to explain. Oh, later on we're going to see this is Rav Yishuv and Levi. Kazayis Kebeya. In the case of a regular olive tree. You have to leave a bayah's size from the from the root. When it comes to cutting vines and reeds, you have to come from the knot. Apparently on a vine, on the reed, there's like towards the ground, there's like a knot, like a little bowl. You have to cut above that, not below that. The sharkalanus in the average tree, min ilan. min ilan. You could take it from the tree's uh, fruit, but not the central part. Um, I, the soft and thin branch is not from anything that's actually from the, 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 the root, the trunk. And you can cut off any new shoot which has not grown f- fruit yet. And not from an old shoot which already has fruit. And even regard for cutting off new shoots, which is permitted, you can only do it from a part that does not see the sun, meaning, um, I guess, from the middle of it where it's dense and it doesn't have sunlight. Go to the next page. But not from the outer shoots that actually see the sun. 
So Pasuk says the bounty sees the sun. So the part that sees the sun is the most beneficial. That you can't touch. Number five is takana. That if there's a, a, a spring, the whole city is allowed to take from it and you can't make it just for yourself. Says the Gemara, Amr Abar Huna, The people can take from it, but they have to pay for it. But we actually don't pass on that way. We pass on that they're allowed to take and you can't charge them. You have to allow them to take from the spring. Obviously, them taking from the spring doesn't make it that you don't have water. It's just, it's a spring. So you can't just make it that it's privately owned and, and they don't get it. That's not fair. Number six, Takano. Everyone is allowed to fish in Tveria. You can't make, and you could, uh, and you could spread, uh, spread forth uh, traps, but you can't build enclosures to catch fish that will stop boats from coming. Outside of rushes, but you're allowed to use different types of nets. The Gemara explains the evolution of this. The truth is, in the beginning, before Yeshua Takana, even before Yeshua Takana, this was a known thing amongst the Shvatim. The Shvatim made a deal, that even the people that own the Kinaret, like people of Naphtali, made a deal that they will not put up enclosures that stop boats from going. Meaning, even before Yeshua's Takana, it was a deal where it was just the people of Naphtali had access, right? Yeshua's Takana is at everyone. But even without that, even the people of Naphtali made a deal with the other Shvatim that they would not impede boats, and they would only uh, uh, fish with, uh, you know, nets and, and hooks. Comes Yeshua, and he's been talking that every chalik, every shevet of Klal Yisrael can have a share in the Kinaret. The, the Kinaret is entirely in the portion of Naphtali. Not only does Naphtali have the, 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 the Kinaret, but he also has um, a fishing net's rope's length of land as part of the, um, uh, what do you call it, the, the shore on the south side. As the Pasuk says, you'll possess the sea and the shore. So Naphtali got the sea and also got a small strip of land on the south side. When Yeshua and the Shvatim entered Eretz Yisrael, so what about the trees? Who owns the trees? So the trees are obviously in the portion. If the tree is in, 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 you know, in uh, the Shevet of Don, then it belongs to Don. What about trees that are uprooted? Sometimes you have in the mountains, you'll just have trees that are that were knocked down from from you know from uh, sea, you know from uh, from hurricanes, face whatever. The halacha is all trees in the mountains that are detached from the soil. Because that doesn't belong to the people that own the mountains, but rather it's considered like uh, like that's considered like loot. You know, when you when you win a war, you get the booty or the loot. When they entered Eretz Yisrael. All the Shvatim, collectively, it was Hefker for all the Shvatim to get any of the, any of the trees that were uprooted in the mountains. But, Mechubarin, but trees that are still attached to the ground, it belongs to whichever, whoever owns the land. The truth is, every Shevet of Klal Yisrael got Bahar, Ushreilo, Benegev, Every Chelek of Klal Yisrael, every Shevet, it's the beauty of Eretz Yisrael, so you could have, you know, from desert to mountains, all in the same area. Every Shevet got a small, at least got some mountains, some lowlands, some open, and some valleys. The Pasuk says that the, before the Klal Yisrael went there, that one of the seven nations were the, uh, the Amoris. 
they had um, Ahar, uh, Shefel, Negev, Chefeyam. And the truth is, the Pasuk was just revealing the nature of every Chelek of Eretz Yisrael. So that's true with the Kenanim, the Prizim, and Moirim. It's true with all the neighbors. Every Shevet has that unique quality. Says the Gemara, the next Takana, the seventh Takana, He said that you're allowed to use the bathroom and pull off some, some stones. Says the Gemara, the real takana was not that you can go to the bathroom, but you're allowed to take a small rock from these walls. Amrav Chizda feel b'Shabbos. Chizda says you're even allowed to do it on Shabbos. Now, obviously, the assumption is because on Shabbos for Kavod Abrios, we allow you to do rabbinic prohibitions in order to uh, uh, just to use the bathroom properly and to clean yourself. For Kavod Abrios, we we waive rabbinic prohibitions, not biblical prohibitions. That's why you're allowed to cut, uh, you know. Toilet paper, not on the dotted lines, because that could be deraisa, but on the non-dotted lines, in order to clean yourself, kavarabrius uh, overrides uh, in isidarabonim. So obviously, the Gemara is assuming that taking off a small twig, a small sorry, small stone from a wall is a rabbinic form of sizer. It's only a rabbinic prohibition, and therefore it's waived in order to allow the person to have to use the uh, to clean himself. Marzutra Chasida Shokul Mahadir, Marzutra Chasida would take the stone from the fence on Shabbos, but he would return it after cleaning himself. He would probably clean the stone, whatever, put it back on the wall. Zil Sharkin, he would tell his Gabai to cement the stone, to meaning to, to make sure that it was, it was a certain righteousness that he wanted this, the wall to be uh, perfectly intact when he was done. The next Takana, the Eve Takana, is that. Um, after, until the second rain season, when things are planted but nothing's growing, people are allowed to walk shortcuts through uh, people's fields. Now, I mentioned this. Hold on. Hold on. Um, yeah. Okay. The Gemara continues. So back then, Back then, they would, it, it, after it would rain, up to the second raining season, you could walk through someone's field and it didn't do damage. But says the Gemara, Papa says, nowadays our soil is a little different. After even it dews at night, if people walk through, it's damaging. So that heter no longer applies, because back then, in the times of Yeshua, or back there, soil in Eretz Yisrael, whatever it was, it, it, it didn't do damage. Therefore, if you would prevent people from walking through, it's just because you're being a jerk. But nowadays, says our puppet, it actually causes damage, and therefore, you know, like if you have someone that planted and then, you know, and then you walk through their field, they're going to be very upset. Um, nowadays, things are a little different. Okay, the next takana, Masakan, see the Adrachim, they say this Adrachim, as we said, that sometimes there would have potholes in the middle of Main Street. They would allow the public to use the sides, even though it would be inevitable that they would spill a little bit into private property. That's fine. Um, fine. The Gemara says, Yeah. Um, fine. The Gemara continues. Shmuel and Rav Yehuda have a shakli vazibaruchah. Shmuel and Rav Yehuda were walking in Bavel and have a stalga Shmuel would see there the rachim. So Shmuel, there were potholes in the middle. So Shmuel went to the side of the road and even though it meant slightly going into someone else's field, he was following the takana of, of Yeshua Benun. Now notice this is in Bavel. So I'm really Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda says, Tanoin Shesin Yeshua Filo Babavel. Is Yeshua's takana for Eretz Yisrael? Does it apply in Babel as well? 
He says, yes, I believe that the Takana of Yeshua was not just for Eretz Yisrael, but it's a Takana for all from communities, all Jewish communities, that, uh, that you can't be Makbid. Since Bavel was a, was a large, the large, um, the major Jewish center, therefore he felt that Yeshua's Takana applied there as well. Rabbi Rabbi were once traveling. So they went to the side of the road again, in line with the Yeshua ben Nun's Takana. But they noticed there was a person. Turns out it was Yehuda ben Kenusa. Now they didn't know who it was at the time. You see this Rav who's walking in the middle and he's like trying to avoid the potholes. So I'm really so the truth is, so. If you're like a real Yerushimayim, I mean, he didn't want to walk on the side of the roads because God forbid to walk in someone else's field. Even though Yeshua was metakin, it's fine. So he's walking in the center. So the question is, is what he's doing correct? So the answer is, it depends. If you're a big tzaddik and you don't want to, maybe God forbid, okay, fine. But if you're not a big tzaddik, it's gaiva. It's like what? It's it's good for Yeshua, but none for the rest of the class. It's not good for you. So they're trying to figure out who this is. Who's this? Who's such a big tzaddik that he's that he's uh, that he thinks he's more chashav than else? That he's walking, that he's trying to avoid the potholes and he's walking through the center of the room. So Amr Rebchia said, "Shema Rav Yudah ben Kanusa, tell me who." Rebchia says, "I see the back of his head. It kind of looks like Rav Yudah ben Kanusa." But you should know he's a big tzaddik, and everything he does is l'shem shemaim. So it's, it would be appropriate. When they eventually met this person, they saw who it was. They talked to us about Yehuda ben Kanusa. They said, Oh, it's a good thing you're Yehuda ben Kanusa and you're talking to Lashem because if you weren't, we would uh, break your leg open with an iron club. So Rashi says, What that means is we would put you in Kherim. If not, we were going to put you in Kherim. But you're Tzadik Lashem Shemaim, so we'll let it go. Okay. The Gemara continues. The ninth takana, that if you lost in the vineyard, you can cut your way out. The Brisa teaches, instead of you being lost, let's say you see your friendly lost, and you know how to get out. So you're allowed to cut him out. You cut up and cut down until he gets out. So the first chiddush of the brayse is you're allowed to cut it to save someone else. And then the brayse says the case of the mishnah who ben And if you yourself are lost, you can cut your way out. So the gemara says, why do I need both cases? The first one is that you can cut someone else as who's lost, and then the second, the first is you can cut someone else who's lost, and the second is you can cut, you can cut if you yourself are lost, you can cut out. What do you need both? So you might think you see you might think that you can only cut your friend out because if you're an outsider and you see your friend lost, you know how to get out. So every cut that you're going to do is going to be strategic and measured. But when you yourself are lost and you're cutting, there is a chance you cut more than necessary because you're freaked out. The Gemara says maybe you're not allowed to cut at all if you yourself are lost. And how did Rather, you should just. Um, make it to the back of the vineyard and then walk around the boundaries. Meaning, let's say you find yourself in the middle of the vineyard. Instead of cutting your way straight ahead, maybe you should have to back up and walk all the way around. Kamash no, you're allowed to cut. So the Gemara says like this. So basically you tell me you're allowed to cut your way through the vineyard. You have to pay for it, but you're allowed to cut your way through the vineyard because you're lost. The Gemara says, isn't that a takana Yeshua? Deraisi, isn't that a, a din in the Torah? The Pasuk says you'll have to return a lost object. How do I know that you're supposed to return a lost person? Meaning a person, lost person is just as important as a lost object. It's a deraisa. And if someone's lost in the vineyard, that he can cut his way out. It's, it's a din deraisa. The Gemara says, Deraisa hu dekai be mitzri. 
answers. Deraisa level, you have to stay on the boundaries of the vineyard. Meaning on a deraisa level, if you're on the boundary, you can't cut your way through. You have to stay on the outside. Yeshua was metakin that if you're lost, you can cut your way through. It's hard to know exactly how the imagery of this, but... Yeah, meaning on a deraisa level, you, you, if there's a way to avoid it, you'll have to walk around it. Kamashalon, Yeshua was metakin that if you're lost in the middle, you don't have to back your way out, you can go straight. The last one is Mei Smitzvah Kanemekaimai. That if uh, someone dies in a spot, you have to give them that spot. Here's the problem, meaning you can't move the body. Here's the problem, meaning this b'risa deals with moving a body. So right off the bat, this b'risa's entire premise is against Yeshua's Takana. This b'risa deals with how do you move a body. The b'risa says, If you find the corpse lying on the main street, so, you should move it to the right of Main Street or the left of Main Street? Right off the bat, that's Akasha. I thought he gets his spot. I thought you bury him in the spot. Oh, here you're moving it. Question number two. The Bryson then continues. Let's say you're moving it to the right or to the left. So, which side do you go to? So, let's say, stay bar or stay near. The right, one side of Main Street has a field where nothing's growing, and another, another one has, has a, a field. Um, that's a stay, stay near, meaning one is unplowed and one is a plowed field. So if you move it to the plowed field, it's obviously going to cause him much more money loss because he's already plowed it. So bring it to the field that's not plowed. Let's say you have on the sides of Main Street stay near, a plowed field, and a planted field. So it's past plowing, they already planted. Then stay near, bring it to the, the, the plowed field and not the planted field because that's less money. How you stay in Bayer, stay in nearest. Let's say both fields, the right and the left of Main Street, are either both plowed or both planted. They're both the same. Pick which one, whatever one you want. But you see from this price that you're supposed to move the body. I thought he gets his spot. The answer is, I'm Rav Papa, but The case over there is that the person's not just a dead body in someone's backyard. If the person's in someone's backyard, he can't move it. The case is the person died and he's died across Main Street. So it would be impossible to leave him there because then you'd be taking away the entire public road. You have to move him anyway, so then there's a discussion where to move him. But if Hitaka died in the middle of an area that's not impeding the public, you have to leave him there. Okay. The Gemara is Akasha. You said that it's 10 stipulations, but when we did the count, we realized it was 11. So the Gemara says, Amri Asara Hachat Sarihav, and I thought it's 11. So the Gemara says, is it 10 or 11? So the Gemara says like this, The truth is, one of the 10 is that you're allowed to walk through a shortcut through someone's field until the second raining season. That actually was not Yeshua ben Nun. That was actually Shloim HaMelech. Shloim HaMelech was metakin that don't be a jerk and let people walk through your field if, it's, if it doesn't cause you damage. Kedetani, as the Brisa says, Let's say you already have all the crops are gone in your field. So people can walk through your field and won't cause damage. But you still stop people from walking through the field to take a shortcut. What are people going to say about you? They'll say, what does this guy benefit from being a jerk? And how are they damaging him? Meaning, well, why, why are people going to say, what, what, is it, what does it hurt you? All of Akasavayim, and such a person, it says, when you could be good, don't be bad. Now, where's that Apostle? It says, Akasav. Meek siv, meyayis Is that Apostle? The answer is yes. It's Apostle in Mishlei from Shlomo Melech. Siv ke'agavna, al timna toiv mebailov biyayis l'kel yod chalasis toiv. L'el yod chalasis toiv. That Apostle says, Shlomo Melech said, if you could do good, don't do bad when you have the opportunity to, to do good. So you see that this concept is from Shleim HaMelech.
So, okay, so these are the ten takanas of Yeshua. Here's the problem. The Gemara says, here's the problem. The problem is there are more. There are more than ten takanas. So how could you say there's just ten? We have more. Today's stuff is brought to you by Niviot. Okay, Vesulaka, just ten. Isn't that the teaching of Rav Yehuda, the Tanya? Rav Yehuda Oymer, Rav Yehuda says, We have this, we have this uh, early in the Masech, that a person is allowed to take manure and leave it, and straw and leave it in the public area, and people will step on it, because part of making uh, fertilizer is people have to step on the manure. You're allowed to leave it in the public, so people step on it, and they can't have a taina, because that was one of Takanas of Yeshua Benun. You're allowed to take out animal waste. And you can keep it for 30 days. You leave it up there for 30 days. Why? You can't leave forever. But for 30 days, people are going to step on it. And, and they'll turn to fertilizer. Because that was part of the Takana of Yeshua ben Nun. So you see, this is one that didn't make the list. Why didn't it make the list? That was from Rabbi Yehuda. Another one. There's another teacher of Shmuel ben Eichav Berikah. The Tanya. Rabbi Shmuel ben Eichav Berikah Oimer. Tanoi Bezdin who? It's a stipulation of Bezdin. Sheizer Yari L'Toich Sadeh Chaveray. That I can go into your field. The Koitzet Shubah Shel Chaveray. And I can cut off some of the tree. L'Hatzel Nochel Shaloi. To save. Okay, let's say it like this. Um, I have a beehive that formed. My bees went to your tree. I want my bees back because it was you know, I'm a beekeeper. I'm allowed to cut off a branch of your tree and take the bees with me. That was part of the Kanas Yeshua ben Nun. And uh, you can't have a taina because I I I you have to pay. Some you have to pay. Yeah. Some you have to pay. But the point is you can't stop me from this. A similar thing, the you have to pay. In a second stipulation of Yeshua, let's say I'm walking with a barrel of wine. You can take my wine, spill it out, if you have a barrel of honey and your barrel gets a hole. Honey is much more valuable than wine. So I'm walking with a bottle. You're walking with a bottle of, of honey. Your bottle breaks. You're allowed to quickly spill out my wine, pour the honey into, into take, my, take my, battle, my bottle, and pay me for the wine. That was Tankhanas Yeshua. Shezed Shavich Yenai, that you that 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 someone else with a bottle of wine, he's obligated to pour out the wine, and save his friend's honey. And the person of the honey will compensate you for it. He'll sell the honey and, and, and pay for the bottle that he that you spilled. Tonight Bez and then the third stipulation, all from Rishon Rishabraika, Shazem Mafarakas Aitsov. Let's say I have a donkey and it has wood, which is cheap, and you have a donkey that has that is carrying flax. No, no, stop. Let's say I have a donkey that's carrying wood, and you have flax, but you can't carry it. And if you leave it there, you're going to lose it. I'm obligated to get rid of the wood and put the flax on, and you'll pay me for the wood. It's all beautiful takanas just in order to have a society of achdos. So the Gemara says, just like Agav, you know, this morning... We went to make sandwiches. I happen to be Eretz Yisrael. It's, it's something I, I couldn't have imagined in America. The level of of achdos, the level of just pleasantness amongst Jews. Uh, something I never saw before in my life. Um, should continue. Can you? 
The point is, this is all Takanas Yeshua. He wanted just people that, you know what? My, I have a barrel of wine. Your barrel of, your, your, your honey is spilling. Take my wine. Spill it out. Put the, you'll pay me. So the question is, these are more Takanas. So why weren't these part of the list? The answer is, The answer is, we were listing for 10 that were universal. The ones that we were just listed were quotations of Rav Yehuda, quotations of Rav Yishma, Rav Rebecca. We wanted ones that are universal. Uh, and we'll stop here. We'll stop. You know what? Let, let's finish up. Go, go to the next Ahmed. Let's finish up the Takanas of Yeshua. One more. Why didn't this make the list? Hakiasa, Rav Avin, Rav Yechanan. Didn't Rav Yechanan say, Echad Ilan Hanaitel Techsad Chaveroi, Vechad Ilan Hasamach Lametzar? This is a Sugya and Baba Basra that if you have a tree that's planted within 16 amas of your friend's boundary, so it's on your property, but it's near your friend's boundary, the assumption is that for 16 amas, it's getting nutrients from your neighbor. Your neighbor's field gives nutrients up to 16 amas outside of its boundary. So when you have a, a, a tree that's planted in your backyard, but it's on the boundary of your friend's backyard, on, uh, it's, on the, it's on the border, it's actually getting nutrients from your friend. Now what's the problem with that? So it's two things. First of all, the first opinion, I think that's Rishlokish, in ba- uh, Ula, I'm sorry, Ula in Bababasa says that it's Osir, you can't plant a tree within 16 amas, because it's Gneva, because you're sapping energy from your friend. And more than this, if you have fruit, you can't say Bikurim. You can't say the Parsha Bikurim. Why? Because part of the Parsha Bikurim is you say that uh, it's, it, the Parsha says by Bikurim, uh, Artsecha, your land. But that fruit is not really from your land, it's from your neighbor's land, because it's getting nutrients from your neighbor's field. Comes Rav Yechon, he says, no, Takonis Yeshua is that you're allowed to have plants, if you're allowed to plant in your backyard, even if it's within 16 amas of your neighbor, it's not considered stealing, and you could say Bikurim, maybe Vikaira, Shalmanaz Kenichos Yeshua Sa'aretz, Takonis Yeshua. So the question is, why didn't this make the list? Now, okay, so the Gemara ends off with this. Here's the answer. And so we had a we had a question. We had a takana. We had ten things of Yeshua, of Yeshua ben Nun, and we said, so why didn't Rabbi Yehuda's make it? Why didn't Rabbi Yishmael ben make it? Now we have another question. Why didn't Rabbi Yechonis make it? The answer is that list was not a comprehensive list. That was the list of Rabbi Yishmael ben Levi. That was his list. He doesn't agree with them. Rabbi Yishmael ben Levi is an Amari. He could argue with everybody. So the Gemara says, Elamantan asarat tanoin Yeshua. Who was the author of the list? It wasn't like a stam brisa. It was Rabbi Yishmael ben Levi. It was Rabbi Yishmael ben Levi and Amari. And, and meaning, it wasn't a Tanoic literature, and therefore, how, how do they have, how do Rav Yechonah have something that didn't make it in the Brisa? It wasn't a Brisa, it was Rav Yishu Levi. Rav Yishu Levi, this is his list. Taka, Rav Yechonah had a different version, and Rav Yehud had a different version. Meaning, if you understand that that was a Tanoic Brisa or a Tanoic teaching, then it's schwer. How could Rav Yechonah, how could Rav Yehud, how could Rav Yehud, these are all Meroim, how do they have things that are not listed? The answer is, it was a statement of Rav Yishu Levi. He had, those are his ten. Others can disagree. And the answer will end with this. Rav Gavia Mebe Kossel, Rav Gavia Mebe Kossel, Masni Behedi, he actually taught it explicitly. This is how he taught it. Rav Tanach of Rav Brayus Amrishim Zakin Echad, Uman Rav Yishu Ben Levi, Asara Tanoi in his Yishu. That it wasn't just a Zakin Echad like a Tana, it was Rav Yishu Ben Levi. And therefore, it's not sure that other ones didn't make the list. We'll stop here, pick it up tomorrow.